The great outdoors is a place of enjoyment, peace, and solitude. But at times, the outdoors experience goes dark. Increasingly, outdoors lovers are encountering criminal elements, psychos, dangerous wildlife, and strange weather occurrences. Our goal is to raise awareness by equipping you with cutting-edge information and to shine light into the dark outdoors. Welcome to Dark Outdoors, where we try to shine light into a lot of the dark, insidious, crazy, dangerous stuff that happens in the outdoors realm. And of course, the bulk of what we talk about is everything from, you know, the increasing animal attacks, strange weather patterns. But we delve a whole lot into the human dangers of the great outdoors and kind of the pilot of what we did um, last year, kind of trying to test the waters. There was really an interest in this. Uh, a guy that I have a lot of respect for, uh, William Ramsey. Um, he, William Ramsey Investigates, is an incredible investigator. A lot of this really interesting stuff that certainly mainstream media doesn't pick up on. And uh, to have an update on the smiley face killer phenomenon, as well as some other interesting things he's been working on, we have Mr. William Ramsey. Thanks for coming on to Dark Outdoors. Mr. Thanks for uh, inviting me back. Glad to be back. Thank you. Well, you know, it's really interesting. Last year, I put a little teaser out for this, and then this year, we're coming back with Aurora. My other podcast has been doing great, but I had to kind of separate the wildlife podcast from this stuff because there's so much of this stuff happening before we recorded. We talked about how, man, you think, oh, I don't know if anybody's going to respond to that, and then the response is unbelievable. So we're going full bore with this to try to raise awareness of this stuff, and kind of what turned me on to your work was your work with what's called the smiley face killer phenomenon just really quickly for people not familiar with that can you kind of get us up to speed it's this phenomenon of young men being out at night typically Mm -hmm. in a bar area and in really places all around the u.s and the globe Mm -hmm. uk europe uh, that we know language barriers might prevent us from knowing more of these types of cases but going out disappearing but instead of their bodies being found within three or four days, oftentimes found later in a body of water. Yeah. And it got its original tag, the smiley face killers from the two original investigators into it who found a correlation between this smiley face uh, symbol mm-hmm. and where these some of these people went missing. The two investigators were Gilbertson and Gannon. Mm-hmm. So they kind of gave this phenomenon its name, but it really, really is the phenomenon of young men, healthy, athletic, out at bars, something goes wrong later to be found in the bottom of the water, oftentimes previously searched. So that's how it got its name. It's probably the phenomenon probably is fairly recent. Like it's only really took off in the last 25 years, I think is really, um, it's happening. But since the COVID kind of has gone away and the, the pandemic is somewhat over, the cases have just picked back up. I've got like 20 cases listed here. Wow. So. Well, what got yeah, me interested sure. in this was uh, it's in the realm that I deal with. I deal with fishermen all around the nation. And uh, if these bodies are being put in water, is it, there's, there seems to be some evidence of maybe kept somewhere else, dumped in water later on. That's the realm of people that I deal with. And you think about the idea of you're out with your family or maybe you're out night fishing, just trying to get away from it all. And then somebody pulls up in a van or whatever. Kind of a terrifying scenario, but um, what other thing that interests me you just mentioned is how thoroughly searched most of these waterways have been, and then there's a body that all of a sudden mysteriously pops up. 
Yeah, it's very surreal. Like you wouldn't expect it, but a lot of these. I mean, you can go through the uh, the cases. There's probably two or three hundred cases about this type of event or phenomenon. Mm-hmm. So many of them previously searched. There's usually a massive search. This is a loved one, younger man. Parents are still alive. Has friends. They're almost always over the news. Like doing my research into my first documentary it was very easy mm-hmm. to go back and look at how these searches progressed because they all kind of laid out the same way. Guys missing. People call the police. Mm-hmm. Uh, posters will uh, go up around the city. Mm-hmm. Then search party. And then they're searching. And it happens over and over. So they're searching the water. Then the water teams come out. And those water teams, a lot of them, if not all of them, are very well trained yeah. in how to do a specific water search. Mm-hmm. They're not just like uh, journeymen. Like, oh, yeah, you want me to help? No. They go out. They have wires. They systematically check water bodies. And then sometimes uh, these bodies will fall. And sometimes the water isn't really even more than waist deep. Like one case that comes to mind is one out of Pittsburgh and Maniac. This guy, Shane Montgomery, the water was up to their waist. They fully searched it. And then he was, they found his keys, but they didn't find his body. And then his body showed up in that same body of water like 18 days later. Yeah. Yeah. That's just crazy stuff. And uh, these very thorough teams and the body shows up and there was even one, I think this might've been one of the early ones where researchers found where there had been a rope around the neck. Uh, Right. That's Dakota James. mm -hmm. Those kind of, not a researcher that, that Chester, that wasn't an ordinary researcher. That was the great um, uh, forensic anthropologist, Dr. Cyril Weck, probably mm-hmm. one of the foremost authorities in that field who, who personally did the, uh, looked over the autopsy of Dakota James again and said, why is there rope marks around his neck that weren't found by the other forensics? So in other words, probably his family wanted another look at something and got maybe brought in an expert? Yeah, local expert. Cyril Weck is very well known. He's done so many, Mm -hmm. he's made commentaries on so many different cases. Mm -hmm. And, you know, probably one of the foremost people in the field looked at Dakota James. They're actually in the same kind of Mm -hmm. metropolitan area around uh, Pittsburgh. So that's where Cyril Weck was, Dr. Cyril. You know, I think at some level, the smiley face killer's name may be unfortunate for some people maybe taking it seriously. uh, There's already been some kind of mocking little movies and things made out there. But uh, this, in my opinion, just what I've seen, it's probably not like a serial killer doing this. You mentioned the last time that this is probably some kind of methodology shared in the underground, and there are multiple groups doing this. That's what I would say. This, I think that's why this phenomenon is, is seen in the global mm-hmm. phenomenon. You know, yeah. That's why it's happening, is that mm-hmm. groups with the similar outlook um, who are very fringe, yeah. And standard, you know, standard groups, something more modern, something that the world hasn't seen before yeah. is engaging in, in this phenomenon that the world hasn't really seen before. Maybe in smaller amounts, I think that there have, like the mob used to, one of its disposal ways was to put bodies in water. So, so I mean, with you know, dishes. there's other groups that, yeah, right. So there are other groups that use this, but then, and something else got picked up where people realized, hey, this is, this is more efficient than disappearing somebody mm-hmm. into the woods or something. This is like you confuse the police and then people don't look for them. Yeah. So, and pretty easy to close the case. Someone seen walking away from a bar, maybe then they're in the water. They, they, they were drunk. They fell in and case closed. Right. 
and they're trying to close cases and things like this. But these seem certainly a lot more mysterious. And um, when I watched your documentary, uh, one of the things, and I don't remember offhand, I should have it in my notes, there was a music video that had like a guy tied up and pipes going down his throat or a tube going down his throat and very dark esoteric stuff that looked like maybe this could be some kind of symbolism of what could be happening behind closed scenes of some of these victims or at least someone that's looking at in a, a like re, like not rationalizing like celebrating killing and torturing with water I think so. I think that that, that was actually kind of how I got, mm-hmm. if you look at the the poster for the, my first video, which was done in 2017, mm-hmm. uh, that was the video that I got with these pipes going in the water where some of these people are, might be even drowned elsewhere, which is super creepy. Yeah. That they're naked. That's why people call these, these water deaths drownings, but they're not necessarily drowned. And what differentiates these deaths, at least in one pool of the smiley face killers, is nobody sees them go into water and drown, mm-hmm. right? They're found in water. So I think that's an important yeah. distinction. But uh, the video is called Broken. Mm-hmm. It was associated with Nine Inch Nails. Mm-hmm. And the director was a guy by the name of Peter Christofferson, who was an occultist. Love Crow, Alistair Crowley, mm-hmm. was a member of the um, Illuminates of Thanateros. Thanateros is two words coming together like eroticism and death. So mm-hmm. they were kind of like sex death cultists so don't really know uh, what the really inner teachings are but peter christopherson did a lot of videos that you might see today like if you watch videos from rage against the machine or something like that so he traveled around he had his own band he was in another cult group called topi Mm -hmm. um which is the temple of psychic youth so um and their smiley faces associated with them and their group their group as well so it's very strange to see this phenomenon that people are watching from a criminology background mm-hmm. and the symbol overlap into an occult group that uses the same symbol. Yeah. It's almost something like that. you're like speaking in code or something or like going, Hey, yeah. you know, we're doing this. You don't know, or, you know, celebrating that thing or that really, I know that a lot of these people like to create this dark aesthetic, uh, which is something that's kind of beyond my mind to think about, but polluting the atmosphere in these things you'll 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 hear in research and things like that. And uh, but you mentioned something I think that's very important about this whole phenomenon is that no one's seen them go into the water. I mean, with all the security cameras we have around a lot of these areas and all the people in different areas with cell phones and whatever else, why aren't people seeing them go in the water? Right. Yeah. And I think that's very important. There's been other researchers. Mm-hmm. I'm not the only researcher. Yeah. There's been Gilbert and Gannon, mm-hmm. Gilbertson and Gannon. There's been other guys, Igor Sarsky, Jim Smith. And Igor Sarsky has researched and decoded some of these terminology. I don't have it offhand, yeah. but it indicates that some people in this community are very aware of where CCTV cameras are. Mm-hmm. So that awareness, see, some people are like, why aren't they seen on camera? that awareness is correlated to some of these uh, dark occult groups. So they're aware of, yeah, there's ways to check cameras, especially in the UK. You can kind of go and see where the CCT cameras are. Mm -hmm. And um, it does kind of play into some of these murders. Like I've I've seen this kind of, who's known as the grinder killer in London. His name was Stephen Port. It was the, the, even though they, the police had the CCT TV camera, it was the family who asked for the CCT camera, camera and 
from the police and looked at it and said, who's this guy with my brother who ended up dead hmm. in a kind of like uh, suspicious circumstance. So the actual family were the person who pinpointed who this guy was. And then when they researched him, they're like, oh, wow. And Stephen Port actually has a life sentence in the UK, which is pretty rare. And there's an inquest going on as why the police didn't capture this guy. But he was drugging them. And there, I mean, just all kinds of really dark things going on. Um, he was homosexual. And uh, so the, the CCTV cameras, not only may they be working, but the police may just be negligent in looking through a lot of the stuff. And mm -hmm. they don't share a lot of information with the public, no. which I think is unfortunate. So, um, you know, a lot of these are like, we nothing suspicious. You know, move along. Mm -hmm. we, we, you know, you just drowned. And... I think they found a couple of cases where the guy's water in their lungs wasn't the same as the water where they were found. Wow. Which is also really yeah, cool. you know. I think there was one. That's that's interesting. So literally they were testing the water and it's so if it's in the, the some river and then there's water in the lungs from another pond or something. I mean, wow. Yeah, or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So some of these guys get dumped in ponds. There's recent cases of like people being found in ponds too, so Josh Agnew in Nashville, uh, Texas. So uh, Christopher DeFreitas, like places where you could stand up. Mm -hmm. Like if I fell in, even if I was inebriated, I could just stand up. Like so, why? What, what's going on? Why are these unusual things happening? I mean, someone would have to be pretty hammered to drown in, you know, a grown man in three foot water, and they couldn't stand up, and it's a hard bottom. I mean, that some of that doesn't even really make sense. Uh, it doesn't make sense because you're you're too drunk to get out, but you're not drunk enough to walk there, right? Yeah, that's, so you somehow can make it to water, but once you yeah. fall in, you can't get up. Like, so how did you get there? Yeah, like if you're really that drunk, how did you walk with nobody seeing you to get there? Yeah, that that's so. a, that's a mystery, and I love digging into this because it kind of makes people think about being aware. You know, hopefully, if you're out there and yeah. you're partying and drinking and you're uh, any age, honestly, but if you're in this, this like, I guess, 18 to about 30 years old category male, yeah, uh, certainly yeah. Uh, be very careful, Tr you know, know who you're around and, and don't get to the point where you're, and I don't drink at all, so I, I, I've never been a drinker because I want to well, be, yeah. be in control of myself, but uh, it's funny because I was in rock bands for years as a kid, but I was like a unicorn. I didn't drink or smoke, you know. Uh, uh, I was the one that showed up Unusual. on time. I was the one that showed up on time. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I've always been cautious. I, I was always cautious around women, you know, like we played a club or something. I was always like, man, that girl's been drinking too much. We need to make sure and somebody needs to call her a ride because you don't want somebody taking advantage. But I don't think... You know, many years later now, I would never have thought in that environment of watching out for the guy other than maybe taking his keys and right. a drink. Some, someone to right. go prey on an adult male in the peak physical time of their life is, to me, scary at maybe a different level. It's scary. And most men would not expect themselves to be targets. Women know. Yeah. They watch their yeah. drink. Yeah. They're very cautious and savvy, um, generally. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But, you know, they're looking out for getting drunk. But the men aren't. And if you look at some of these cases, Christopher Jenkins or uh, Joey Labute too, which was one of the early cases that I followed, something there's a personality change, and mm -hmm. so these guys start acting in ways that the family says he's not even a drinker. Dakota James' mom says he never drank more than two beers. He was a swimmer. How does he drown? Mm -hmm. It doesn't make sense. He was in his. He was the captain of his high school swim team. Wow. Like so, like yeah. So that's really super suspicious. He could probably swim a mile in the ocean and not have a problem because. These guys are just used to being buoyant, you know, mm -hmm. um, they're really good swimmers. So 
there's real problems with like the whole drowning thing. But yeah, the uh, yeah, there's a there's a lot of you got to really watch out for getting drugged because these guys there's weird things where like they get kicked out, they're acting strange, they're, they're swearing, and it looks to me like they've been drugged. And the earlier researchers, Gilbertson and Gannon, found uh, GHB in some of the victims. So they clearly, to me, based upon the scientific record or the mm-hmm. you know forensics, that they there was at least a couple who had been drowned. Wow. Now, I mean, sorry, drug, drug. Yeah. So that that's like what called the date rape drug, right? Like that takes people right. Into GHB. Right. Yeah, that that's mm-hmm. also in our bodies, right? Correct. It's it's. Uh, in the background of your body. So the GHB gets processed very fast too, is my understanding. So you have to like, if you, people think they get drugged, they have to have a blood sample taken very fast to, to keep it intact. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it is. It's just when there's a preponderance yeah. and it takes on, you forget stuff. In increasing numbers, people across North America are going missing in the wild. Dark Outdoors is committed to shining light on this topic and raising awareness when public interest in these cases fades away. This episode's Missing in the Wild involves William Bill Thorpe. He's been missing since September 1st in Bryce Canyon National Park. Authorities there are asking for the public's help in finding this man. He was last seen disembarking the park shuttle at Bryce Point on Thursday, September 1st at approximately 3 p.m., according to the Garfield Sheriff's Office. He is approximately 80 years old. He was reportedly last seen wearing a turquoise shirt, khaki or light-colored pants, a dark belt, and a tan-colored hat. His current whereabouts are totally unknown, and search efforts are ongoing. If you visited Bryce Canyon from Thursday, September 1st through Tuesday, September 6th, or have any information regarding this man, contact the Garfield Sheriff's Office at 435-676-1134 or that National Park Service Glen Canyon Dispatch at 928-608-6301. This is Chester Moore, and if you love horror, you need to go to Texas Frightmare Weekend. Texas Frightmare Weekend is a Southwest premier horror convention and film festival. Now entering its 17th year, the event will now take place May 26th to 28th, 2023 at the Irving Convention Center in Toyota Music Factory. Texas Frightmare Weekend is proud to announce the return of John Carpenter, legendary director of Halloween, The Thing, The Fog, Escape from New York, They Live, and many more. Tickets and info are available now at TexasFrightmareWeekend.com. That's TexasFrightmareWeekend.com. But when you start scraping down the, the layers here, you talk about the symbolism of a of like the smiley face that's, you know, part of this and other layers. It, it gets down to a level where it's this almost seems ritualistic at some level. Do you think there is a cult involvement in some of this? I do. I think part of it is I think there might be people who aren't in the occult. Yeah, but I do. I like it's been a kind of a peel the onion thing for me. Like I've come to more realizations. Yeah. I was very knowledgeable about Crowley and some modern satanic stuff. Cause I, I didn't know. And so I learned about it. Mm-hmm. And so I think like this, there's groups out there that are very much into neo paganism. So if you look at the old Druids, they're in the forests, in the woods, yep. had sacrifices. 
a lot of like Halloween stuff when you see the land jack-o'-lanterns mm-hmm. that comes from druidic lore. Mm-hmm. So some of these people, what's hard to believe is like the kind of receding of Christianity or a biblical worldview, which very few people have this day sure. uh, to this day. But now this, this neo-paganism is taking that place. So people worship the forest. They do things in the forest. Mm-hmm. And for backwoodsmen, I would definitely uh, be very aware that some of these people are in the forest, maybe not just hunting or fishing. Oh, my God. These, this stuff is not just like on a TV show. It's real. Like, there was something happening out there, you know? And that got yeah. me to thinking about yeah. this. And you hear about, like, in 1989, when you had the, the killing of the, the Texas students over in Matamoros across the border. And you mentioned these Druid people. I mean, their whole old rituals and stuff are pretty much like out in the woods, naked around a fire kind of thing. Right. Like you stay out there, you've got your cloak, mm-hmm. you're feeling the energy of the forest, yeah. trying to be at one, something oppositional to kind of modern civilization with lights and electricity. Yeah. But they're feeling something very different. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so there, there's definitely this kind of neo-pagan and I do think that fascination with the occult goes in waves. So I think after kind of Manson, people yeah. freaked out and said, this is terrible. Yeah. And so people realized it was bad. And now I think we're in a kind of a newer wave mm-hmm. of kind of post, post-Aquino, post-LeVay uh, kind of um, Satanism that is sophisticated and integrates a lot of ideas. Like I said, a lot of these neo-pagan ideas, but also other occult ideas. But I do think when you really start studying these occultists, the smiley face is very important to them and what it represents. Uh, it has like an exoteric and an esoteric things like you and me see a smiley face. Oh, it's a happy face. But to them, it means something different. You linked it to um, Watchmen. Uh, right. Or, Alan Moore. Yeah. Correct. So can you just kind of give a little bit about that and kind of like the, 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 the character and kind of what that smiley face symbolized for him? Yeah, so it goes in. So Alan Moore is like the number one maybe uh, graphic artist mm-hmm. of the 20th century. He's done a lot of kind of occult influence stuff from hell. But the other one was The Watchmen. Um, the, from hell is another occult like related thing. But The Watchmen has this character in it called The Comedian. Yep. who has a smiley face on all this stuff. But he laughs while he kills. kills. And that's how it starts off in the film and book. And he gets thrown out of a tall building. Mm-hmm. And lands and the smiley face gets draped in his own blood. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, from my, I, from what I understand, what the occultists think is that this smiley is represents chaos at the end of this aeon. aeon. Mm-hmm. So they're literally using that as aeonic change. It's tied into this idea that they want to return to the old gods, the old pagan gods. So that's why mm-hmm. it's weird, too, because yeah, if you look at the earlier research of Gilbert and Gannon, mm-hmm. some of these smiley faces are on trees and things like that and on rocks, and I think that's intentional. Pray, prepare, and pack heat. It's time for some dark outdoors defense strategies and techniques. Have you ever considered carrying a knife for self-defense in the wild? A knife can be an important even crucial element of defending yourself in the wild. You can carry a fixed blade knife. They even have small, tiny pocket-sized fixed blade knives that you can hide, conceal very easily, 
and could really help you in a defense situation. Let's say some psycho grabs you and maybe you have a concealed carry handgun you can't get to, but that knife is a lot easier to get to. Um, that could be a lifesaver. Another thing is during animal attacks. There have been people attacked by mountain lions, people attacked by bears that defended themselves and even killed the predatory animal with a knife. You got to make some decisions, ease of carry, fixed versus folding blade. I prefer in a defense situation, a fixed blade, even if it is a small blade, a short blade. That way you don't have to worry about something going wrong, being able to fold the blade out or push a button or whatever. Another thing though, is blade shape and style. Some knives are designed for cutting, some for thrusting, some for stabbing, and that's something to consider. You definitely don't want something that just has a little point at the end. Preferably, you want something that's going to cut on all ends. It's going to be really sharp and have a really sharp, strong point on it. That way you can jab, you can cut, you sort of do all of the above. Don't just grab like the fillet knife from the uh, tackle box or something to bring out with you. Think about what you're going to do here. Go to darkoutdoors.com. We're going to have a corresponding article about self-defense knives at darkoutdoors.com on our blog. Check that out and consider carrying a knife as part of your defense in the dark outdoors. Dark Outdoors Defense is brought to you by Hog Hunt USA, an app created to help control the hog population by helping more people kill more hogs more often. They're doing this by building a network of outfitters and landowners to provide excellent hunting opportunities at a big discount. I totally dig that. The hunts begin in January, but starting in October, you can log in to upload pictures of your hog hunts for a chance to win a night vision scope, gift certificate for a hunting rifle, and other hog hunting gear. We'll be reporting about this here on Dark Outdoors and other media platforms. Don't forget, Hog Hunt USA, it's going to be a game changer in the hunting world. Yeah, so like kind of going back to those pagan roots of those quote-unquote gods with little g's uh, that were part of that maybe, you know, like that the pantheon of gods of they call the golden era. Uh, and it's interesting because you look at television and things, you see a lot more of those old gods popping up again. Right, it's interesting. It's like it's coming back into fashion. And it should scare people because that, that was kind of the era of the Nazis was God is dead. Yep. We're going to return to paganism yep. and we're going to have all these pagan practices and, you know, we're going to go out with torches and we're going to have these old runes and go to places out in the forest. So this kind of return to that old paganism usually has consequences that aren't positive. Now you said neo-paganism. Can this come in various, like, not denominations, but like forms. I mean, is this many different kinds of religions that might come out of different countries, regions? Absolutely. I think that there's a whole host, like the order of nine angles, which I've studied is, can be seen as neo-paganism or neo-Druidism. Mm -hmm. You go out into the forest overnight, you lie down and you stay with motionless for 12 hours until the sun rises. Wow. So come, you know, so yeah, so there's certain rituals you do. Hmm. Um, so that's one, there's kind of like Neo Odinism or Odinism where you worship the Norse gods, mm -hmm. Wicca and Alexandrian and Gardarian witchcraft has a lot of Druidic paganism and things like that ritual type stuff. So I think, you know, there's a lot of, op if you're an occultist, you can, you can kind of fashion your own occult tradition 
using a lot of different ideas. And I talked about the Temple of Psychic Youth too. So they all can kind of meld together in some occultist mind. Now, this Order of Nine Angles, where are they based out of? Well, that's a really good question because they're not really based out of anywhere. They originally came out of the UK, out of this guy, David Myatt's writings, but they spread into almost like uh, communist cells. They call them Nexians. So the ideas that because of the internet, mm-hmm. the ideas of the ONA have spread all the way around the world and there's little pieces of it and people, you know, fringes of the internet, they can go and download the literature and it's become, uh, the right, the farthest right has become enamored of some of their writings, like they're not neo-Nazis mm-hmm. really like this. And it came out of a guy who was really a neo-Nazi and an occultist. So he kind of fused Nazism and occultism together to create the ONA in a very general sense. Mm -hmm. But, um, so it doesn't really, it's, it claims to not have a leader of like a hierarchical leader. Like anybody can pick up the ideas. You don't have to really be a member. Mm -hmm. You can become a member, but you can come up, you can just take the ideas. I think it's very well written. People always ask me, is intelligence behind it? Like is an intelligence network or, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the big agencies behind it? I don't know, but doesn't seem to be, that case, but it ha- it does have that element where you can just write your own pamphlets and call it ONA. You don't have to really, yeah. you know, adhere to the central teachings. But um, so so they have like these little cells, and you'll see this like one is called the Temple of Blood out of North Carolina. They just had a huge scandal because they found out that the leader of that next game was a government informant who had been paid one hundred forty thousand um, dollars over over. 17 or 18 or 20 years. So that was a huge scandal. But um, some of those guys who were associated with the Temple of Blood or Adam Wolf have been put in jail. But uh, yeah, so as far as the ONA being, having a hierarchy, it doesn't publicly claim to have that. They do have somebody who's the head of the outer order and that person changes often or has changed over time. Originally it was Myatt, but Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they encourage kind of like people kind of take their own uh, t- teachings and their own flavor of the ideas and, and 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 work with it themselves. But it's definitely neo-paganism. Yeah, it's really interesting. You know, if like, uh, you know, if you looked at like Anton LaVey stuff on, the, on like the surface level, it was almost like plagiarism and like uh, atheism with a cloak is what people, you know, kind of describe it as. And then you had like people like Sean Sellers in the '80s who kind of freelanced and used that as a dark influence and went and killed. It's almost it's it seems like it's a dangerous thing sometimes even to turn people onto their own ideas. Uh, like I can be my own god, and that's really what the devil wants to do anyway. He wants us to be like you know that was the original temptation, you know, to be like God. And um, it seems like there's maybe some more sophistication in some of this. Yes, I think so. I think you're right. But I think that the original temptation is integrated into all forms of Satan, whether it's Crowley, yeah, yeah. Um, Aquino, LaVey, Myatt. You're a god, and you know yes. you can act according to your own will. So yeah. it's the opposite of... Uh, you know, the opposite of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, yeah, exactly. So there's a lot of things out there that, like, send out into nature where people might not expect to encounter something like this, you know? And I always want people to be alert because you're not going to—the media is not going to tell you. If they're going to tell you anything, they're gonna, oh, these are just peaceful people, you know, practicing the religion of their homelands or whatever— 
Um, and a lot of times that's not the truth. If you look deeper in some of these stories, I mean, there seems to be occult things and a lot of, a lot of murder and, and, and ritual stuff that never gets talked about it, but there's, there's real victims who really encounter these right. people. Well, it's interesting. You mentioned Mark Kilroy and the Matamoros cult. He was Paolo Moyambe influenced, mm-hmm. but he's very similar to an SFK victim out mm-hmm. late at night, drinking with his buddies, young college student. Mm-hmm disappears, right? He gets separated. They don't know what happened to him. If they never found his body, they never would have known mm-hmm. what happened, right? Yeah. So that's a lesson to a lot of young men and women out there. It's got to be, and things are not going the right direction. Things are getting more dangerous, more chaotic. So yeah, you know, you I'm mind boggled that parents still send their kids after they graduate to Cancun, Mexico to party. Bro, if you want to talk about people getting drugged in anywhere, it's Mexico. Oh, my God. Notorious mm-hmm. for getting drugged. People wake up in their hotel room. They don't know what happened. Yep. People have died down there, yep. become organ donors. People have drowned. There's tons of drugging in Mexico. So what are some of the symbols like or things that someone might see? If they're out hiking, camping, is there any kind of something you would see and be like, you know what, there might be something really strange going on here. Maybe I should turn around. Yeah, smiley face. Yeah, you dude, see that. So- you might, that might be like, whoa, if this is random and I'm out hiking and I see that, you might want to just turn around and run. Uh, you know, it's they actually use uh, stick figurines, okay. kind of like the, uh, what's that witch movie the, they had? Like stick figurines, they actually do use those as witches do. Really? Circles like you saw, yeah. Yeah, that, the circle so thing was like ingrained in my brain from seeing that, you know, 30 years ago, you yeah. know? Uh, so yeah. stick figure. I mean, you just gotta really be careful. Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, they go into the forest and chant. They look for these old, those old powers of the forest. Mm-hmm. Like that's what they're doing. So you gotta really be aware. I don't know. The, the Santa Muerte mm-hmm. is, uh, all over this, like all over drug trafficking or narco satanico trafficking, yep. but that's been tied to, this whole kind of thing that goes on down at uh, Juarez, you know, this killing of women. Mm-hmm. Like they've had like 2000 women. A lot of, some of them are richly done away with. So yeah, really bad. So, and that's not that far from the West Tech. Do you know that uh, the guy, uh, Adolfo Constanzo, he went to Matamoros because there were other types of those types of cults in that area. That's where he found comfortable. comfortable. He came from Mexico city. So he linked so up. He went to that area. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, really crazy. So, there's there's a history of these weird kind of uh, Mayan influence or Aztec influenced cults that Mm -hmm. are in that part of Mexico, that northeastern part. But these people who don't understand the outdoors at all, especially them, are like, they have no idea. The media does not ever really link anything other than maybe a John Doe or a Jane Doe found in the woods to dark stuff happening. And I'm just trying to make people aware so maybe they can save, you know, save their life. And, or maybe like they find a weird stick figurine or something that's out there that goes, you know what, I'm not going to go anymore. Maybe that'll save a life. And that's probably the best thing we could do here is raise awareness maybe to save a life. I agree. And there's a couple cases. There was a case in Michigan. There's mm-hmm. been cases around national parks. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was this guy who was the best quarterback, uh, the B league or whatever, not the A college ladies, but the B league mm-hmm. who ended up something weird happened to him and he ended up face down. And, and uh, I can't remember his name offhand, but it reminds me of some of those cases in Western Michigan, close to a state park, like mm-hmm. 
Sometimes there's strange things going on. There's some strange backwood kind of deliverance stuff well, going on. We have a uh, the Sam Houston National Forest, and it's about two hours uh, northwest of me. It's, but it's literally like 40 minutes north of Houston. And um, this lady started a thing called the Missing Texas 40 uh, because she, she did Missing Persons of America. Her name is Jerry Dean. And I've done a couple of things with her. Just all the missing people around that forest corridor. Now it's up to like 60-something. And they just found two people murdered in there. And uh, mm-hmm. I went and talked to a game warden about a year ago. And I said, hey, I'd like to maybe talk to you sometime about some of the more human-related dangers you find in the woods. He just looked straight at me and goes, you mean like all the people that I'm missing in the Sam Houston National Forest? Uh, so there seems to be pockets of this stuff out there. And there's yeah. probably a lot of reasons for it. But, um, you know, like I said before the break, I think we both agree that you put something out there that seems really strange and then it comes out and people go, finally, someone's talking about it. No, there's some strange stuff out there. I worked in Yosemite for a summer, and there were always stories of weird things happening and uh, people disappearing, you know, yeah, really dark stuff. This is Chester Moore, editor-in-chief of Texas Fishing Game, the oldest and largest outdoor magazine in Texas, and its sister website, fishgame.com. Between these two award-winning outlets, we cover everything outdoors in Texas and beyond. While we provide you with plenty of hook and bullet how-to information, we have committed to our resources to bringing you the most comprehensive coverage of wildlife, habitat, and environmental issues that we can. You can get this award-winning coverage by subscribing to the Texas Fishing Game Print Edition, six issues a year, by calling 800-725-1134. That's 800-725-1134. Or going online to fishgame.com. You can also sign up for our three times per week e-newsletter to stay current on everything affecting fishing, hunting, camping, shooting, and enjoying the glorious great outdoors. We hope you've enjoyed the program. If you would like a special PDF of our dark outdoor survival tips, email chester at chestermore.com. That's chester at chestermore.com. Connect with our blog at darkoutdoors.com and also see exclusive video content. Remember, before you enter the great outdoors, pray, prepare, and pack heat.